God is a refuge for us all. That's good news, isn't it? And you know, as we look at the world we live in, we see more and more we're going to need God as a refuge. I don't know if you people listen to the news as often as I do, but when you hear what's going on in this world, we can truly say Jesus is coming soon. The world just cannot go on any longer. Everything is coming together to an end. And only those who are waiting upon God and expecting something from him are going to be able to stand through what is coming down the road. So we are, we're so privileged to be able to gather together and hear the word of God, hear it, share it with each other, our experience with God, and learn to know about God and what he wants to do for us. And when we do, we're going to have, as Sister Barbara talked about, that kind of faith that's going to get us through because it's only, that's the only way we're going to get through to the end is to have this faith in God, what the spirit of prophecy calls living faith. Amen. We want living faith because dead faith isn't going to do it for us. So God has a plan, and he wants to take us somewhere where we're not at yet. We call it heaven, but before we get there, he wants us to come to this other side, and we're going to look at that today in this um, the story the Bible relates. Before I begin, though, I want to share with you a quote from the Spirit of Prophecy. And it says, true religion. Now, when you hear true religion, you have to imply false religion. But true religion does something. It ennobles the mind. True religion ennobles your mind. That means it puts you up higher than down low. It refines the taste. It sanctifies the judgment. This is what true religion is supposed to do. It's supposed to change us. It's supposed to make us better. It makes the soul a partaker of the purity of heaven. Wow. I'm going to read that one again. It makes the soul a partaker of the purity of heaven. That means we're getting something of godliness into us. It's purifying us. It brings angels near to us. Brings angels near. And it separates more and more from the spirit and the influence of the world. Amen. Amen. Because, you know, we're pilgrims. We're, we're pilgrims passing through. This, this is not our home here. But sometimes, you know, we get caught up in it. We, we think it is, and we think, well, Jesus isn't coming for a while. But we're pilgrims. This is not our home. This is not what God created us for. So he, this is what true religion is, is supposed to do. And more importantly, it reveals to man an infinite and all-wise creator. That's what true religion is supposed to do. To, it reveals to us this great God, this infinite and all-wise creator. And better than that, it invites us to become a son of God and an heir of heaven. An heir of heaven. Think about it. Heirs are only those who belong in the family. 
And if we're an heir of heaven, we're in God's family. But to be in God's family, we need to be a child of God. And to become a child of God, we need to have faith. Because only God can make us his children. But we need to cooperate with God. And when we do, and when we believe that what God says, when we're standing on his promises, God's promises never fail. Remember that song we sang? God's promises never fail. So are, are we standing on God's promises, even though the world is just going totally crazy? Are you standing on God's promises by faith? And when we do, then we can be assured of what this true religion is going to do in us. So with those thoughts in mind, let's turn to the Gospel of Mark in chapter 4. I want to share with you a, an incident that happened. And it's a, it's a beautiful story, and, it, and there's more to it than meets the eye. Chapter 4 of Mark, we see a situation. Jesus has just been teaching all day to the people on the seashore. He's been teaching them all these parables about what the kingdom of God is like. He's trying to educate the people. And now the day is done, and we're going to pick this up in verse 35, chapter 4 of Mark. And the same day when the evening was come, he, Jesus, said to them, his disciples, let us pass over to the other side. Let us pass over to the other side. Now, when you look at that, you think, well, they're going to get in the boat and they're going to go across the lake to the other side. But Jesus had a little deeper meaning in this than just taking a boat ride. And we're going to see as we pick this up. So he says, let us pass over to the other side. And, you know, this is what Jesus is trying to do in us. He's getting, he wants us to pass over to the other side. So they get into the boat. And now if you, if you compare it with uh, the version in Matthew, you'll see that it says, when he was entered into the ship, his disciples followed him. Now this is important because we are following Jesus, aren't we? We're all here following Jesus. And so now Jesus said, let's get in the boat and we're going to go over to the other side. And so that's what we're, we're getting in the boat with Jesus and now he's going to take us over to the other side. It's important to remember, Jesus is leading the way. So they get into the boat and they're going across the lake there, verse 36, and when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And so they're going on a nice little journey across the lake. And now remember, his disciples were fishermen. Most of them were fishermen. They were used to being out on the water and on the lake and stuff. They were experienced with being out there. Just remember that when we get ahead here. Now, verse 37 and there arose a great storm. There arose a great storm. Now think about it. If Jesus is leading the way, where is he leading them? He's leading them into this great storm. And you know, the, the word storm there is so interesting if you looked it up. It's a word that's used over and over again throughout the scripture to describe apocalyptic events, and this is, this is one of them, going from one stage to another stage. That's an interesting aside on that word storm. But think about it. 
Jesus is leading us, isn't he? And what do you think when you get led into a great storm? Fear. Fear. Very good, fear. Very good. And this is what Jesus is trying to bring us over to the other side. So they're going on the nice boat ride, and all of a sudden a great storm comes up. A wind and waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. You know, they were out in the middle of the, the lake there. They were far from the land. The storm comes out of nowhere, and now the boat is filling up with water. And I don't know if you've ever been out on the water in a storm in a boat, but it's a scary thing. It's a scary thing because you're out there and there's no land anywhere and you're, if your boat is filling up with water, it's gonna sink. And if you don't know how to swim, you're gonna die. You're gonna die. So it, like Brother James said, this is a fearful event. They arose a great storm, the waves, and verse 38, and he, Jesus, was in the hinder part of the ship, the rear part of the ship, doing what? Asleep. He's asleep on a pillow. He's asleep on a pillow. The boat's ready to sink. The waves are beating in and out. And then as we're going to see, the disciples come to him. They wake him up and they say to him, Master, don't you care that we perish? What are you doing? The storm's raging, the wind's blowing, the waves are crashing in, the boat's sinking, and you're sleeping. You're sleeping away on the pillow. My goodness, he was asleep. When Jesus was awakened to meet the storm, he was in perfect peace. He was in perfect peace. How else could you describe it? He was in perfect peace. The boat's ready to sink. The disciples are all going crazy. And remember, these disciples were fishermen. They were used to being out on the water. They were used to storms and trouble out on the water. They're petrified. Master, don't you care that we perish? And Jesus is fast asleep. When Jesus was awakened to meet the storm, he was in perfect peace. There was no trace of fear in word or look. For no fear was in his heart. For no fear was in his heart. Remember, Jesus is our example. He's, he's here to teach us how we're supposed to live. Think about it. Put yourself in the place. It, you, you might not have been a storm out on the water, but everybody has storms in life, right? Health problems, financial problems. And you name the problems. Everybody has a storm. And, and you know, storms come unexpectedly, don't they? When, when we're not waiting for them, a storm comes and hits us. How, do we, how are we going to react in the storm? Are we going to be like the disciples, fearful? Oh, Master, don't you care that we perish? Notice the emphasis. Where's the emphasis? On themselves. On themselves. Don't you care that we perish? And how do we react when we get in the storm? Oh, oh, poor me. Oh, poor me. Oh, poor me. But Jesus is our example. He's in the boat. The boat's ready to sink. There was no trace of fear in word or look. That's important. He didn't even look fearful. You know, you, you can fake it, can't you? You can say, oh, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. I'm the tough guy. 
But, you know, you can really be fearful. There's not even a look of fear on Jesus' face. Why? He rested not in the possession of almighty power. He said, I can of mine own self do nothing. Nothing. He trusted in the Father's might. This is what he's doing. He's trying to teach. He's trying to bring them over to the other side. They're fearful. They're shaking. They're going down with the ship. And Jesus is over here sleeping away peacefully on the pillow. Wow. Don't you want to be on this side? We don't want to be on this side. Because what, what's this telling us on this side? When, when we're fearful, what's, what's, the, what's going on here? We're not faithful. We're not trusting God. It was in faith in God's love and care that Jesus rested. He, Jesus rested. Turn with me for an instant to Isaiah in chapter 26. Isaiah 26, and we're going to look at verses 3 and 4. And it's, and it's a beautiful principle. It says, thou will keep him in perfect peace. Perfect peace. Think about it. Perfect peace. The ship's going down. The waves are crashing. And Jesus is sleeping. He's in perfect peace. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee, on God. Because he trusts in thee. He trusts in God. This is what Jesus is trying to develop in us, this, this trust in him. The ship's going down, doesn't matter. We're trusting in God. We're going to trust in God. Trust ye in the Lord forever, verse 4, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Everlasting strength. This is what we get when we have faith in God. I have a note here on this in my Bible from the Desire of Ages. She says, the Savior is by the side of his tempted and tried ones. That's good news, isn't it? Jesus is by our side. And with him, there can be no such thing as failure, loss, impossibility, or defeat. Amen. <laughs> Amen. What a God. What a God. This is what God wants to develop in us and how he's trying to develop in his disciples. He, he invited them. He said, come on down in the boat and we're going to go to the other side. And they, did. they thought they were just going across the lake. But they, they, showed, they showed that they were not faithful. They, they came to him. They wake him up. They say, Lord, save us. We perish. You see the focus again. Save us. They're thinking only of themselves. They were hardy fishermen. They spent their lives out on the lake. They knew all about this. They survived many storms. Now their strength and skill availed nothing. They were caught in the, they were caught in the big storm of all time. But remember, Jesus brought them into this storm. Jesus, and again, Jesus brings us into storms to teach us, to, to get us to the other side. They were absorbed in their efforts to save themselves, and guess what? They forgot that Jesus was on board. He was right there in the rear of the boat. 
but they were so absorbed in saving themselves. Oh, we're going down with the ship. They forgot. There's Jesus in the rear of the boat. And it's the same with us, isn't it? Storms come, everything's falling apart, the car breaks down on the highway. Oh my goodness, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Jesus is on board. Jesus is on board. They cried, Master, Master, but guess what? There was no reply. Have you ever had that experience where you pray to God, Oh Lord, help me, and this is that, and there's no reply? No reply. What's God doing? He's testing us. He's testing us to see, are we going to keep calling out to him? Or are we going to give up? And again, this was another storm going on in these men's minds because they're wondering, is Jesus really going to help us? Can he really save us out of this storm? And you know, we all have these same thoughts too. This is, this is where, this is the... the doubt that Jesus wants to get out of our out of our lives. He wants to get us to that other side where in the midst of the storm we can be sleeping on the pillow like he was because he knew his father was going to take care of him. Then darkness hid Jesus from their sight. They cried master, master but no reply. Doubt and fear assailed them. Had Jesus forsaken them? These are, you know, these, these are Natural questions. You know, when Jesus, when you know, we pray to God and we don't get an answer right away, what do we do? Doubt and fear assailed them. Jesus, had Jesus forsaken them? Was Jesus powerless to help them? You know, again, these are all these questions that come, come to our minds. Was Jesus unmindful of them in their distress? No, he's not. He's not. Lightning flashes. Then they see Jesus asleep. And in amazement and in despair, they say to him, Master, don't you care that we perish? Again, you know, they're, they're still centered on themselves. Verse 49. And he arose. He arose. Yeah, that's beautiful. When, when God arises, things happen. When God arises, you know, he, he, he rose up. He rose up. And what does he do? He rebukes the wind and he said to the sea, peace be still. And immediately the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Now, you know, you, you people have experienced storms in your life. Storms just don't end. You know, the storm comes, it takes a while to come, it, it affects you and then it takes a while to go away. Well, this, in this instance, this terrible storm that was ready to sink the ship, it, doesn't, it, says, it says it in the spirit of prophecy, immediately the storm ceased. And there was a great calm, a great calm. Only God could do such a thing. Only God could do such a thing. It showed the power he has. It says in Psalm 89, O Lord God of hosts, who is a strong Lord like you? You rule the raging of the sea. When the waves rise, you still them. Amen. And so you think about it. They're out in the middle of the ocean there, the lake. The waves are huge. The wind's blowing. And all of a sudden, boom, dead calm. Only God could do such a thing. Only God could do such a thing. And you know, Jesus did it by speaking the word. He spoke the word. He said, peace be still. He rebuked the wind 
and he said, he spoke the word. Jesus trusted in the Father's might, and the power of that word which stilled the storm was the power of God. There's power in the word. We sing that song, you know, the, there's power in the word. This is God's word, and there's power in it. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. And it tells us about this word. And it says in verse 13, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually works also in you that believe. God's word works effectually in those who believe it. You have to believe it. And when you do, and Jesus believed that word from God, and when he said, peace be still, he knew that storm was going to cease. And it's the same with us. When we speak God's word as Jesus spoke it, we can expect these miraculous results. Isaiah 55, verse 11, it says, talks about God's word. My word that goes forth out of my mouth, it shall not return to me void or empty, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing where I sent it. God's word does not come back empty. God's word is powerful. And Jesus, he, he was divested of his powers, uh, power of God in this instant. He trusted in God's word. He spoke that word, and immediately the storm ceases. And there was a great calm, a great calm. Verse 40, and Jesus said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? You have no faith. <clears throat> and, and so we see, you know, this is the other side Jesus is trying to bring his disciples to. They're fearful. And again, when you're fearful, it shows that you have doubt. Your faith is not strong in God's word. Jesus had that faith. He, he was sleeping through the midst of the storm. But he, he said to them, he said to them, why are you fearful? How is it that you have no faith? You have no faith. If you had faith in me, you wouldn't have any fear. And this is what Jesus is trying to develop in us. He's trying to bring us away from this fearful state to this faithful state so that we can have, even in these great storms of life that are in our midst and are coming down the road, we can have that perfect peace throughout the storm that Jesus wants us to have. Amen. <clears throat> he who spoke peace to the billows of Galilee has spoken the word of peace for every soul. However fierce the storm, those who turn to Jesus with the cry, Lord, save us, will find deliverance. We'll find deliverance. We need to keep our focus on Jesus. His grace quiets the strife of human passion, and our hearts are at rest. Our hearts are at rest. 
God wants to help us. He, he's there to take care of us, and he wants to bring us to a better place, to the other side where instead of being fearful, we'll be faithful. Verse 41. And they, the disciples, feared exceedingly, and they said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now that word fear is not the same fear that they had. This word fear now is the word that means to have sheer awe about. They were in sheer awe about this Jesus. What, what manner of man is this? He's not afraid. In the midst of the storm, he's sleeping. And now he stands up, he speaks a word, and there's total calm. What manner? They're in, they're in total awe of this man. And, you know, this is what God wants to bring. You know, this is how we get to the other side. When we have this vision of this, this man, what manner of man is this Jesus? When we have that vision, then we're going to fear exceedingly also. And again, remember the, in the book of Revelation, we have the three angels' messages. And the first angel's message is? Fear God. And it's the same word as these men had here. Fear God and give glory to him. And this is what Jesus is looking for. He's looking for those people going to the other side who fear God and give glory to him. To be in awe of God, to revere God, to submit all to God. And that word glory means to make it apparent. Something glorious is something noticeable. You can't miss it. When you go out on a rainy day and you see a, a double rainbow in the sky, that's glorious. And God wants us to be glorious. He wants us to fear him and give glory to him. And what it means to give glory to God is to reveal his character in our own and thus make God known. Amen. God known. And this is the other side Jesus is trying to bring us to, from the fearful to the faithful. So let's conclude with um, Isaiah and chapter 60. <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 60 and verses 1, 2, and 3. And we see... God telling us to arise and shine. Arise and shine. This is what God is looking for in his people. People who have come from the other side to the faithful side, to the side where they're trusting in God and God alone. And he tells us to arise. Jesus arose and something happened. He told, he's telling us to arise and something is going to happen. Arise and shine. Shine. Let your light shine. For your light is come. God is there. He wants us to be this radiant body. Let your light shine. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. God's glory he wants in us, through us, shining out into the dark world so that he can be made known to others. 
For verse 2, for behold, darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people, but the Lord shall arise upon you and his glory shall be seen upon you. Upon you. Do you believe it? Do you believe God's glory can be seen upon you and you can be just like Jesus? Every star which God places in the sky obeys his mandate and gives its light to beautify the heavens. Did you ever go out at nighttime and see the stars? Yes. They're beautiful, aren't they? They're just gorgeous. Those stars were placed there by God, and they give this light. Let us show the light committed to us. We're God's stars, too. He wants us to shine like those stars in the firmament. Let us show the light committed to us. And the quote continues, give out your light. Give out your light. Let your light shine, Jesus said, so that others can see it and that God can be glorified. So Jesus wants to take us to the other side. It's not just a, it's a boat ride, but he wants us to the other side from being fearful and not trusting him completely to faithful, to being trusting him for everything. And when we do that, then we're going to be this light of this world that God wants wants us to be, to shine out, to be faithful and not fearful. 